I love stories. So I decided to start a podcast where I could talk to people about their favorite stories. If you're like me and you love a good book, this podcast is for you. Although I will warn you, there are spoilers, but honestly, can you ever really spoil a good book? Hello and welcome to It's Lit. We're here with Kaylin talking about perks of being a wallflower. Hi. Okay, so tell me why you picked this book. Okay, so you asked me to talk about my favorite book and I don't really know if I have a favorite book, but this was a book that I read this past summer that definitely had an impact on me. I read it in like three days. (laughs) It is a small book, so that's... It is. Yeah, it's pretty manageable. And I had actually watched the movie before I had read the book, which is something I don't normally do. But the book for me was just so different from the movie. I really appreciated that, especially since uh, Peter Shabotsky, the author, was also the director of the movie. Yeah, he did a really good job making sure it stayed true to the book while also being different enough that it was still enjoyable as a standalone piece. Yeah, exactly. And I love to read YA still, even though I'm in my mid-20s, but I'm very picky with the contemporary YA literature that I read. Okay. Um, This was one, like, obviously it came out in the 90s. Um, But when the movie came out, there was so much hype surrounding the movie and the book. And I tend to ignore hype a lot, Mm -hmm. which is kind of strange. You'd think that. No, I think that's a good strategy. Every time there's something really, really hyped up, you get so excited for it. And then it's usually a letdown. So if you just kind of ignore the hype and go, okay, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. You have a more realistic expectation going in. So you're not as likely to be let down. Exactly. And I think... It was a good thing that I waited to read this story. I actually, I journal and I wrote a journal entry when I started reading it. Um, I'm just going to read it now. It's super quick. Uh, I'm in love with the way Chabotsky writes with such a naive honesty. It's a brutal story, but handles itself so gently. I wish I had read this book when I was 15. And I don't know if I wish I would have read it when I was 15 looking back now. Like I think in the moment I was like, oh, this would have been like the perfect book to have as a teenager. And like, because it's like so relatable. But I think it's more relatable reading it now in my mid-20s and like experiencing things that I have and nothing, you know, extremely terrible, but just living life a little more. I think I have more of an appreciation for the novel itself. Okay. Because it is definitely a coming of age story. So it's interesting. Do you feel like it's, you're more coming of age now in your 20s as opposed to being a teenager? Uh, I think so. Like I moved away from home when I was 17. So I think having those experiences in like my very very late teens and very early 20s really developed who I am so I think the characters in this book go through a lot of changes before those years so I think reading it as a teenager I wouldn't have been able to relate to it as much as I can now Mm um yeah okay so tell me who your favorite character was uh I think it's Charlie He's the protagonist. It's kind of like an easy pick, but he's, there's just something about him. And I think it also probably helps that we're in his head the whole book, but he's so observant, but I wouldn't say that he's very intuitive Mm -hmm. to like anything, even himself, Um, which is so strange because he's so, because he's so observant, he gets so in depth and like, he has this like laser focus about things, Mm -hmm. but also because he is an unreliable narrator, we don't, he might be very in tune with himself he just chooses not to share that 
Um, but I think he's just such a genuine, like, good-hearted character. He tries to do what people tell him to do, but he takes their intentions, like, completely the wrong way. <laughs> Bill, his English teacher, gives him all these books to read, and he's like, okay, I'm going to read these books, and he wants me to read essays, so I'm going to write these essays. I'm going to, like, focus so much on what's happening in the book that I'm not going to focus on how it's affecting me. Um, and he kind of shares those things um, through his narrations of his letters. He shares those things with the person that he's writing to. Like, oh, this reminded me of this time. But I don't think he ever writes about that in his essays. Or at least he doesn't hint that he does. And he definitely doesn't share that stuff with Bill, really, until like later on in the novel. So it's just, he's a very interesting, very well-rounded character, which is odd because we don't get to know much about him. But yeah. Yeah, throughout the book, it's really easy to forget that he's only 15. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like you were saying, he is really observant. And being able to keep track of those little things and have laser focus is something I know I struggled with as a 15-year-old. I really like Charlie. I think he's compelling because he's yeah. so close to being shy without being a shy character. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see him trying to come out of his shell while trying to stay true to himself and what he thinks. Um, like one of the one of the... I want to say scenes, but it's a book. So one of the parts of the book that really spoke to me and I haven't read it in a while, but that stays with me is when he's at the party and he's like struggling and trying really, really hard to be a part of this party and make all these friends. But you can just tell that that's not his usual place. Like that's not a place of comfort for him. So it was nice as a borderline shy person in high school to see those things reflected in the novel. Yeah, and, like, his his reactions to things like being at the party, and like you were saying, like, it's it's challenging to remember that he's not actually, like, a college student or an adult, and his reactions to the novels that he reads, like, they are classics, so, like, it's not, like, super easy to digest it at times, but he just seems so jaded. <laughs> like, yeah. There's this massive disconnect from everything going on around him. I mean, that is the point of Charlie, and that's a huge part of his character. But it's just so interesting that he's reading about these things that are just so emotional and so deep. But he he can't be. And I think it does a really good job. Like, I'm obviously a, a girl, so I can't relate really well with the male perspective. So mm-hmm. it was cool to see how that worked within him. Like you were saying, he can't connect to the books on a very emotional level because he hasn't been through those things. And he hasn't experienced those things. It's just cool to see a guy go through all of these big learning experiences and all of these firsts and be vulnerable about them because like I don't talk to a lot of teenage boys I don't really know what it's like to go through all of those firsts and like having a crush on someone and going to your first party and it's just it's was a really compelling read because it's a whole new perspective that I never even thought of before yeah and it's like I definitely related to the weirdness of his friend group like that was definitely my friend group in high school and and still um, I'm still friends with those people but it was different in the way that, yeah, like, they're going to parties and there's just such this, like, massive sense of, like, community throughout the school. But, like, I didn't have that. Like, that's the part of the book that I feel disconnected from is, like, they do all of this stuff and, like, there's all, like, drugs and drinking and, like, going to parties. But, like, the secret Santa and, like, the weird, like, zines and stuff like that, like, that's, like, Rocky Horror. Like, that's all, like, yeah, that was me and my friends. So it's interesting that, like, this book is so deep and I connect to it on certain levels, but I still can't connect to it in a way. <laughs> it's strange. I think that's an element of a good book, being able to understand it on like a very deep level, but also just not entirely get it. Mm-hmm. And that 
um, you've told me you write. And I think that's an important thing that writers have is they're the only one who fully understands the book. And I was reading, I forget who said, but you don't have to tell the reader that, you know, in this coffee shop, there's milk on this level of the fridge, but you have to know that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's cool being able to see what the writer probably knows, but not being able to really tap into it. Oh yeah. And I mean, like, it takes place in, in 90s Pittsburgh. So this is a real place that mm-hmm. Shabotsky is writing about that he experienced. But it just feels like such this like small, very niche, like could be nowhere else but their world. And it, I think it also has to do with Charlie's narration because he's so unreliable and he's just so focused on what's happening in his life mm-hmm. and, and the people around him. But there's also this like massive sense of nostalgia like it's it's just nostalgic as hell like and maybe because it's been because it's been 20 years that it was published um but i think like charlie's narration also makes it something so that every moment is just something that you need to reflect on for so long and to be so deep into i think the book just it takes place over the course of like one school year but it feels like it goes on forever yeah, it is, it is a very short time frame, but mm-hmm. there's just so much growth of both Charlie yeah. and all the other characters around him that it seems it seems like a long span of time because you see them change so much in such a short amount of time, which mm-hmm. is hard sometimes. I know a lot of the books I read are generally over a couple years or like skips ahead yeah. quite a bit. So it was cool to see. And I guess teenagers are doing that. They grow really quickly because they have to. So it's it's easy to forget that it is a short, short time frame. So you've talked a lot about Charlie's narrative. Tell me, <laughs> tell me more about it. Did you enjoy being, I guess, the recipient of these letters? I did. It was something that I knew about going into the book. Like it wasn't shocking to me that it was written in a letter format. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was something that I had already kind of researched and looked into and was aware of. Um, so the format wasn't really jarring to me, but uh, it was challenging in a good way. <laughs> um, like his monologue just really gets in your head yeah and it's hard to not come out of reading the book and think like charlie and just be sitting in a room and like analyzing everything happening around you um like he's trying so hard to be himself in the moment and people are always telling him like participate Mm -hmm. um like don't be a sponge be a filter but he doesn't know how to do that and he's trying to do that by trying to act like someone who does know how to do that he's not trying to be himself doing that it's like he's trying to be someone else trying to it's just this weird he adds so many layers to things that I feel like is unnecessary but I also recognize that it's a way for him to deal with everything that he's being hit with especially because of the trauma that he experienced as a child um and I find that so interesting because in his letters he's so uncomfortable sharing his thoughts or he's comfortable sharing his thoughts, but as soon as he starts to acknowledge that they're his, he gets uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, the first letter that he writes to this anonymous person that he heard about, from, like, in class or whatever, mentions, he basically alludes to the fact that his friend Michael killed himself. But mm-hmm. he doesn't flat out say, my friend Michael killed himself. Which is so strange because it's an anonymous letter. This person doesn't know that it's him and like he's saying that he's going to change all of the names so technically you know his friend's name might not even be michael in like this reality of this universe but even though it's anonymous and he's making taking the step to write these letters and send them and the point of it is to pour your heart out and he still can't do that yeah it's just 
it's just kind of that was the challenge for me because it's like no i want to like tell me just tell me that your friend shot himself like you get so infested and it, that's the frustrating part for me is that i just because he's trying so hard to open up and i feel so connected to him when he starts to hint at things and doesn't go down that road like i want to hear it i don't get that relief necessarily from his narration at all times and I think as a reader and someone who really enjoys character development and getting to go into that inner monologue, you get to like, it's like you're entering like a room of their mind, but you only get to see like certain things in that room and like other things are just cast in like a dark shadow. And it's so frustrating because like you can feel it out, but you can't tell what it is. Yeah. I enjoy books that make me super frustrated. I read one in high school for class that we had to read called Cheese's, um, cheese in the trap something along those lines i can't yeah. i have a bad memory with i think names. i know what you're talking about yeah. yeah and just getting to the end and not having a full grasp of it i find satisfying i i liked that he kind of sussed you out and didn't really just come out and flat say like my friend michael shot himself because i think that would have taken away from his character like being a frustrating teenager was what made him charlie and the fact that he couldn't be completely honest really gave a genuine quality to his grief and his narrative I think yeah I guess that's a good point too and like the whole part of his character is he represses everything that happens to him and he doesn't address it until the very end of the book when Mm -hmm. he's mentally emotionally physically forced to yeah um yeah that's a good point I think yeah I guess just as as and reading it back as well um like flip skimming through for a second time was like oh, I know exactly what happens, but you won't say it. I think, yeah, the first time I read it, I probably was just like along for the ride. But if I did read it over again, um, in the short amount of time that I did, I think I would be frustrated with like, I know what happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm frustrated because I know that you're trying to say it, but you can't. And I think it's more like, not frustration with like, oh my God, Charlie, please just say it. It's like, Charlie, you can't say it. And I feel so bad for you. And I yeah. want you to be able to say it, but you can't. Yeah. Oh, I love compelling characters. Yeah. <laughs> it's just my favorite part. Tell me what part of the book compelled you the most. Like, what stands out to you as the defining moment, I guess? I know for me it was the party. And I'll give you a minute to skim through. I, I have notes here. I have, Ooh, I've she came prepared. I have bookmarked pages. I brought the book. Um, I marked down a few things. No, not that one. <laughs> Found it. Okay. Okay. Do you mind if I read, like, oh, by all means. a portion? Okay. So, uh... Charlie's English teacher, Bill, gives him these books to read. One of the books that he was forced to read was, uh, well, not forced, but was asked to read, uh, was The Fountainhead. Um, So I'm just going to quickly read a snippet. This was like, this is closer to the end of the novel, but it's something that really just put Charlie's whole character and basically just like all of his relationships and dynamics in the book into like perspective and just summed it up very nicely in one quick line. So... Um, but I'll, I'll read a bit ahead to give context. So, incidentally, I finished The Fountainhead. It was a really great experience. It's strange to describe reading a book as a really great experience, but that's kind of how it felt. It was a different book from the others because it wasn't about being a kid, and it wasn't like The Stranger or Naked Lunch, even though I think it was philosophical in a way. But it wasn't like you had to really search for the philosophy. It was pretty straightforward, I thought. And the great part is that I took what the author wrote about it and put it in terms of my own life. Maybe that's what being a filter means. I'm not sure. There was one part where the main character, who's this architect, is sitting on a boat with his best friend, who's a newspaper tycoon. And the newspaper tycoon says that the architect is a very cold man. The architect replies that if the boat were sinking and there was only room in the lifeboat for one person, he would gladly give up his life for the newspaper tycoon. And then he says something like this. 
I would die for you, but I won't live for you. And that was just like, that was a very powerful yeah, that's passage. the end of the quote. And it was like this moment where, oh, sorry, where I think Charlie, I don't know if he fully realizes it, mm-hmm. but I think part of him realizes that what he's been doing with his friends and his relationships, he's not living in the moment. He's thinking about all the other what ifs and like the future and, and all these other things. And he'll do anything for his friends. Like he'd jump in front of a bus for them, but he can't, he can't be there for them right now. And yeah. he can't just be himself for them. He wants to be, like, the perfect version of himself for them, which is not what they want, but that's what he thinks that they want. Mm-hmm. And I think it isn't until this moment where he realizes what Bill had told him about being a filter and not a sponge, what that means. And it means to take everything that you've experienced and not just experience it and have it happen to you, but to learn from that and to act on that. That's a good take on that. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. It's easy to skim through the book and not take everything as being super meaningful. But I guess since the narrative is him writing letters that he has to think those things are meaningful himself Mm -hmm. in order to write it down. And I just never thought of that passage that way. I mean, obviously, the quote is really powerful. Like, yeah, I'm willing to live for you, but I'm or willing willing to to die die for you, you, but not willing to live for you. That is just powerful. Like, oof, hits you. It's a whole... brings up this whole different idea of like what it means to be a good friend mm-hmm. and like for charlie like what it means to be a good son and a brother yeah um and a boyfriend for part of the novel he's willing to be everything but himself for everyone and i think that's a really universal feeling especially for mm-hmm. teenagers when you're insecure yeah. of yourself and really trying to figure out who you are and how you fit into a world not being able to just be your own part of the world is hard and it's I know something I still grapple with like imposter syndrome here Mm -hmm. in college is very real and it's takes a while to overcome but I think like you said that's the part of the book where he starts to realize that he has to overcome it yeah and I can't remember if it's in the novel but I know in the movie one of the most powerful scenes for me um I can't remember when it takes place but I just remember Charlie's sitting in his bedroom and all you see is him just sitting in his chair and he starts crying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was after his friends told him like, oh, like we can't, like we, we can't talk to you for a while. Like yeah. we just need space uh, after what he did um, to Sam yeah. and Mary Elizabeth. Um, and he's just sitting there and he's sitting in a suit and he looks so prim and proper and and, and Logan Lerman's face is just like, it's, it's the straightest. Mm-hmm. And there's just like the tiny crack and he cries and then it goes back again. And he's like, no. And it's like he won't allow himself to feel. And it's like he's wearing a mask for the whole book. And like he's wearing like, you know. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. <laughs> it's powerful. Yeah. Um, tell me, like you said, you wouldn't say this is your favorite book, but it's hard to pick a favorite book as as an avid reader. Um, so why did you decide to come talk about this one? Well, you had sent me the questions beforehand because I'd asked for them. Yes, of <laughs> because course. Because I need to prepare for everything. And I was looking at my bookshelf, mm-hmm. which isn't like massive, but I have enough books. Well, I never have enough books, but it's full. <laughs> so for the capacity of the bookshelf, it's enough. And I was looking at the questions and I'd originally wanted to talk about a, a couple other different books that had come to mind first as books that I've read multiple times before and have had like things to say, but... When I was reading the questions and I was thinking of books that had really affected me emotionally and things that could really hit home, you know, 
you ask me questions about like you know who's your what's your favorite book like talk about the characters like tell me about the world and like the Mm -hmm. writing style like what's something that jumped out to you and when I first read this book well the first time the only time that I read it those were all things that stood out to me immediately just the way that Chbosky writes and like it's set in Pittsburgh like there's nothing super amazingly special about Pittsburgh like sorry if you're from Pittsburgh but, <laughs> but Shout like out it, to Pittsburgh it's a city in Pennsylvania in the United States it's like it's there it's there and it's like you could arguably write this story someone could argue that you could write this story at like anywhere else in any yeah. other like industrial city in the world like it could be written here for all we know here in Winnipeg yeah shouts just in case you didn't know we're in Winnipeg <laughs> um his writing style just makes it feel like you can't yeah like it there's just something about this book that like they always say like write about what you know because nobody writes it better than you and i feel like this book is like the perfect example of that oh definitely and that that's what stood out to me and and continues to stand out to me like the more that i learn about the story and and you know as i reread it and watching the movie as well just i think because it was directed by chabotsky gave the novel and and just the whole narrative overall a whole other layer because mm-hmm. there is something to be said about seeing emotion and seeing especially if the author's the director you get a sense of what he visualized when he was writing mm-hmm. it and as personally a very visual person when I read that's what I'm trying to do the whole yeah. time is what can I see so being able to get in his mind and like this is what he wants us to see is is special yeah I think this was like you're going off of what you're saying this is a very visual story yeah um there's just a lot there's a lot going on it's very heavy a lot of different topics mm-hmm. um a lot of different things that you could address and analyze for the sake of analyzing it um i think that's what stands out to me the most about it it makes it one of my favorite ya lit novels yeah i think ya gets a bad rap in general i i still reread a couple of my ya favorites oh same when i get like in the reading rut i'm like they're just so good the characters like teenagers there's something compelling about seeing them try to figure out what it is they want to do especially when i'm trying to figure out what it is i want to do oh there's so many good ones yeah books and i think it's interesting too because as you're reading you always want to connect with the world or the characters mostly the characters and what they're going through and i find that with adult contemporary or like any other type of genre and like an adult format Mm -hmm. i can like i don't care what the character like i'll just read it because it's a compelling story but with ya lit specifically i need to have like some sort of emotional connection like i need to see myself in the characters more so than with adult focused novels and i don't know why that is (laughs) i think maybe targeting towards younger people you want to feel that emotional connection because since it's targeted towards younger people, they want to see themselves in it. Whereas for older books, like I'm trying to think of some adult novels I've read recently, it is more about the story because I think the author assumes that you know who you are. You don't need to see yourself reflected in these characters because you're there just for the story. Whereas younger readers might need to see themselves because they they don't know how else to feel connected other than through themselves. It's more of a selfish standpoint. And there's nothing wrong with the word mm-hmm. selfish. Oh, yeah. Um, but when I read novels targeted towards an older audience i'm not i'm not there to see myself i'm there to see what what the world is and what those characters are doing and be more of a fly on the wall where when i read ya novels i i want to cry like i just i want to cry <laughs> as kaylin shakes the book at me <laughs> this book makes me cry oh yeah um i think that's another reason why when i was younger 
when like when the movie first came out I think I was in high school when the movie came out. I don't mm-hmm. know. It was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to say my age. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there was just so much hype and everyone was like, oh my God, it's like beautiful. And like, we're infinite. And like, people were getting like the <laughs> infinity symbols tattooed on their wrists. Yeah. And I was like, so turned off by that. Because I was like, I don't want to read a novel that's like all about just like, yeah, man. Like, live. I don't know. Like, that's what it, like the impression that I got. Yeah. Like, it's not a hippie dippy novel and everyone yeah. kind of made it out to be a hippie dippy exactly. novel. Or like, it's like this perfect, like everybody made it out to seem like it was this, it had like this golden ending. Yeah. It doesn't. No, it just kind of stops. <laughs> it makes me really sad. And like the, I actually, did I bookmark the last line? That was um, another quote that stood out to me or like another page in the epilogue. Yeah. Love that he added an epilogue. Oh, so um, important authors out there please give me a afterthought <laughs> yeah but um the last line that i have it's not in the epilogue it's of part four yes um and charlie just he ends <laughs> this is like perfect charlie like you this is how you know that things are improving but they haven't entirely changed mm-hmm. he ends his final letter uh before the epilogue with i'm so sorry that i wasted your time because you really do mean a lot to me and i hope you have a very nice life because i really think you deserve it i really do I hope you do too. Okay then. Goodbye. Love always, comma Charlie. Like it's just so like very like, oh, thanks for your time. I'm so sorry. Like I wasted your time, but like thank you for listening. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye. Like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Right? It's fine. No, thanks. It's Kate. just like he's improving, he's getting to where he needs to be, but he's not quite there yet. Yeah. So after like the movie doesn't end like that. The no. movie ends very different. I think the movie gives it sort of like this more I wouldn't call it a sunset ending. But it's closer to a sunset ending than what the book gives you. Yeah. The epilogue ends, so if this does end up being my last letter, please believe that things are good with me. And even when they're not, they will be soon enough. And I will believe the same about you. And Still not quite a sunset ending, but more hopeful. It's peaceful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good word to use. Okay. It's like, if if I was dying, that would be an okay thing to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be okay soon. I hope you're you, doing good. You keep on keeping on. <laughs> you there. Hope you're happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's with the last line of the part four, I think it's more, you see the insecure teenager in him, like here recently, like being in college and going through this kind of experience, you are starting to recognize that while everyone else's time is valuable, your time is also valuable. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Charlie yet realizes that sure, he may be like air quotes, wasting the time of the reader, but in him writing it, that's something valuable to him because he's giving up the time to tell this person Yeah, all of these very vulnerable, intimate details of his very narrow scope mind. Yeah, and going off of that, I, th- I never realized before, but like, I think it's interesting that obviously he ends the letter with um, like a closing, like love, you, like love always sincerely, yeah. Charlie. He doesn't ever end on a line about himself. He always ends on a line to the to the reader, which is, yeah, it's so interesting that he's so vulnerable with himself but then he he just gives everything over to end with like oh but tell me about your day it's like when like you walk up to someone and they're like oh like i had a really bad day like blah, blah, blah. but like don't no enough about me like how are you and it's like no like there's things going on in your life we need to talk about you as well mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a good point what are your final thoughts kaylin tell us about this book general feeling who would um, you recommend it to i would recommend it I don't know if I would recommend it to the audience that is depicted in the novel per se. Like, I feel like specific high schoolers, like certain people who are more mature would benefit 
yeah. from reading not benefit but like they would enjoy reading this novel more than others who aren't i think the the subject matter in it is going to be difficult to read no matter how old you are mm-hmm. you can hand it to like a 40 year old and i think they would have a hard time reading about you know the sexual assault and um like the homophobia like external yeah. and internalized and all of those things it's heavy yeah so it's hard to recommend it to people because i feel like it needs to come with a content warning but i think i think i would recommend it to anyone who just wants to read a good story about this young kid who's just trying to learn some stuff about himself like that's that's really the only way you can describe it without because it's not like you can give things away but you can't really explain things without having to okay and then the next thing happens but then this happens like you can't just leave it off and then you just yeah. you end up talking about the whole narrative like the whole book <laughs> which is a sign of a good book like you yeah. want them to know all of the details yeah. but i think that's how i would i guess you know market it or recommend it is mm-hmm. this is a book about a kid who's just trying to be himself but he doesn't quite know how to be himself so he's just trying <laughs> if you're also out there trying <laughs> <laughs> if you're just trying don't be a wallflower i mean you can be but get up and be a, a participant bit. A filter. Don't be a sponge. Be a filter. <laughs> okay. Um. Do we have any more questions about anything? I don't. If you're a reader or a writer who's interested in coming to talk to me about your favorite book or your book, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at it's lit underscore pod. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Bye.